This is Marketable, a Notice Pictures podcast that explores the ever-changing landscape faced by marketing teams. This is episode one of Marketable. I am Jeff Barry here with my co-host, Ryan Jones. Hello, hello. We are two of the three partners of Notice Pictures, and this is the first episode of Marketable, and we're going to establish what this show is, why we're doing it, and what it's all about. Yeah, I guess we should start with the who and why there's only two of the three partners. We just we completely iced Sean out of this project for no real reason uh, whatsoever. But maybe he'll be a special guest, you know, periodically. I think he'll be the specialist guest. Yes, most definitely. You gotta, you know, keep a little something back That's for right. for the audience. You know, I don't want to give away the whole store right away. That's right. That's right. So Ryan and I, we are directors and producers at Notice Pictures. Uh, Notice Pictures is a production agency making video content for uh, various brands and different sort of pillars, uh, whether that be consulting, banking, financial, home goods, food, uh, sort of across the board. We're in our 10th year. Yeah, we're uh, yeah, in going into our 10th year. And... Ryan and I are often out in the field, sort of, you know, given that the agency is full service, we're out at the field on shoots, we're in pre-production on shoots, we're in post-production on shoots, it all kind of ebbs and flows depending on what projects we're working in and what time. And given that we're involved in all facets of the production process, we're seeing a lot of the pinch points and challenges that marketing teams are coming to us with. And that's really the core of what this podcast is about, is from our side of things, uh, two levels, from our side of things, seeing the challenges that marketing teams are facing in this time with content and demand for eyes and all of that stuff. So seeing what they're dealing with, and then also seeing what we encounter out in the world on our own. Yeah, I think that the other aspect to it is, you know, you mentioned that we've been in business for about 10 years now. And really, like, in terms of our origin story, we don't come from a marketing background. I mean, you had acted in some commercials before. Um, but, you know, I got my start in documentary filmmaking. You were on the other side of the camera acting and then learned more about the production process and started directing uh, feature narratives and that kind of thing. And uh, I was actually just telling a client this or a potential new client the other day about how this company really kind of started by accident because we were approached by a marketing team with one of our still still one of our clients and they wanted to do a documentary feature in conjunction with a campaign that they were doing and so over the course of these 10 years we've really like kind of learned by doing and by being with these marketing teams learned the whole landscape and uh seen how it's changed and all of that. Um, but also we're kind of coming to it just from the perspective of storytellers and how can we make that work in the context of brand storytelling or organizational storytelling as opposed to telling the story of a scripted narrative or a, a nonfiction story. I think that term storytelling, though, is really important right now because it seems to me that given how much content is out in the world, right? We know that more content is being produced now 
more than ever, that people are consuming more than ever, but the demand on consumer eyes is the highest that it's ever been. You're getting your social feeds. There's so many pieces of content coming at you at all times. The storytelling of it aspect seems to me the thing that helps pieces of content rise to the top, whether that's Mm -hmm. in video, whether that's audio, whether that's a still, whether that's a story, whatever it might be. That seems to be now, to me, the differentiator. And I don't think that was the case when you had less commercials or less content. You could just, it could be the, the, the spectacle of it, the size of it, the star that was in it, whatever it might be. But now there's so much of that, it seems like when you're really connecting to somebody with that story, that that seems to be something that has things rise to the top. Yeah, well, it's, it's the differentiator, but it's also the thing that is consistent across the mediums that we're working in. So whereas, you know, 50 years ago, even less than that, you know, you're looking at print, TV, maybe product placement in a film or something like that. But your your marketing mediums were very limited. Now you're looking at not only things outside of TV and print, you have digital, but within digital, there's social and there's pre-roll and there's all these different formats that have different lengths and um, different conventions that one thing works on Instagram that doesn't work on Facebook or any other platform. But the one thing that is consistent across all those things is you have to have a good story at its root, whether it is a six-second pre-roll or a six-hour you know, miniseries. Story is paramount. I think another aspect that's reinforce that are the metrics now that we're able to see and learn about things. Whereas 20 years ago, right, you had Nielsen, you had broadcast, and that was sort of a main metric coming, your main data coming back at you. Whereas now you can be so pinpointed on social, really in any of the platforms, and you can get feedback on what is working and what isn't. And that data seems to be unrivaled in time, you know, sort of marketing history for me. Yeah. Even just the fact that you can do a B, you know, versions of a, whether it's a headline or um, a certain ad or that kind of thing, and then analyze which one is performing well, and then adjust your campaign. Whereas before it was, well, we, you know, spent three months coming up with this 30 second spot and we bought this much airtime on this network at this time, and that's where we're locked in, you know. Um, it's like so changing yeah. on the fly now. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we talk with our clients a lot about uh, iterations. I was just on a call before we recorded this um, where a client needed a, a piece of content for international um, audiences. They're doing a massive international expansion. And so there's an immediate need um, for this to be used for um, an installation in Italy, but they wanna be able to repurpose it for their other international markets. And so we're learning to design things in such a way that they can easily be iterated across languages, platforms, whatever it is. Well, we have to, right? And this is something that we'll get into throughout the podcast and and maybe we'll touch on later today. But 
designing production in a way that you can get multiple assets out of it is a must now. Mm-hmm. We just we, it's something we have to have to do. But before we jump too far into that, just to kind of round out this idea of who oh, oh, Ryan touched on it, but I'll give myself you know a little bit of background. I came to be in this position of uh, directing and producing from the other side of the camera. I went to acting school. That was really how I came about, and I had you know about twelve years or so before I was really just directing uh, primarily where I was in commercials and movies and and certainly doing plays and things like that around. But my experiences on, you know, large scale commercials and some big movies where you really, you know, I remember being on a commercial we were shooting in Prague and there were so many people from the various agencies involved looking at the monitors, figuring out what was happening. And I was just so struck by how and, and this was all coming down to the director who was then trying to come over and articulate it to me as they were ch- figuring out you know what eight people were telling him but certainly how watered down something can get from the original intent but how how many stakeholders how many voices can be in it and that was only exponentially greater previously in the process in their pre-production and their creative and all of that you know if there were eight people on set from the agency you know there was you know, probably three times that involved. But uh, that was sort of a first time where I was really like struck me this apparatus of marketing, you know, and again, being on the other side of the camera. And then I, you know, as you have, you know, for acting work, you've got some sort of job that's sort of sustaining you in between jobs. And I was bartending in New York and had a client, uh, a regular uh, friend of mine who had a marketing company. And I just started doing work for him from a video that he saw that I put on of skiing that I put on on Facebook. And he was like, Hey, who did that? And I said, yeah, I I did. I cut that together. And he was like, Oh, I'm going to hire you to do some stuff. And, and suddenly we were pitching brands and uh, spirits and all sorts of clients that they had. And I was really learning on the fly, but I was immediately went from, there was really a very little technician phase. I was suddenly in the room with potential clients and that was kind of the start of it for me. And I worked with him for a couple of years and then started having other clients come in and eventually, uh, you know, getting to where I am now and, and having, we have a roster of clients, but that was really the first, uh, time that I got on the other side of the camera. So having that transition from being, you know, on set on a commercial, seeing all this happening and then being on the other side of the camera, whether it's producing or directing, seeing like, okay, these are the pieces of it coming together. And then having my own challenges where I've got eight people at a monitor telling me something to try and get to the actor because this is the story of what we're trying to tell. But really having, as Ryan mentioned, having the advantage of not just typically coming through marketing school, like ABCDE, you've gone, you did your four years on marketing and here you are. We've this is a tool set that we've really earned the hard way, you know, through failures by being on set, by being in the trenches, by having, you know, projects that have had to evolve and change as things have changed and, and failures that we are able to then pivot and turn them into successes. But it's, I feel like our, our skill set's really been, been hard earned and, and that's given us perspective to say like, okay, let's talk about the things that we're seeing, you know, the challenges that we're seeing marketing teams having and the way things that are hitting us out in the world. Yeah, I think that we have the advantage of being able to think a little bit outside of the box because we don't have that marketing, you know, training, formal training. So we're not coming to it with a cookie cutter approach. 
But the flip side to that is there have definitely been times because we aren't totally formally trained where we might throw an idea out and the client is like, well, no, we wouldn't do that because of whatever. Um, and so I think that part of that's part of the reason for me that I was interested in doing this podcast is so that we can continue to not only share what we've seen in our experience, but talk to the people that are actually working in this field or thinking about this field, you know, maybe not even people in marketing departments, but people that are writing about and reporting on the things that are going on in the marketing and advertising world. And it's just a great opportunity for us to learn and to hopefully stay on the cutting edge and thereby you as a listener are also getting this broad um, sample of thought and different people from different disciplines sharing what they've learned where we hope that you know selfishly it's a great asset for us but you know we want to share all of that uh, with you all as well and tell us a little bit about your journey coming out of film school documentary and then where that kind of took you as you got into New York and bringing you up to sitting here today. Yeah, well, I mean, then that was kind of my origin story is not dissimilar from the company's origin story in the sense that my early success was not on purpose. It was I was in film school at the University of Kansas, where I'm from, and good that you're wearing a Kansas uh, shirt. Right well, it's first day of March on. Madness as That's we right. record today, so we're playing Howard, and uh, you know we got to cut this out so I can go watch the game at some point. But um, but yeah, I was at KU, and you know was in a intermediate video production course, and basically we were put into production teams, and the idea is everybody makes a short film and everybody helps you know the other people in their group so i had never been interested in making a documentary before this was like 2005 so documentaries were really just becoming more mainstream with michael moore and people like that they were just showing up in the theaters whereas they weren't before and still pre-Netflix in terms of streaming. But for some reason, I decided to do a documentary short about a local hate group called the Westboro Baptist Church. And that short turned into a feature um, because I had some professors that were like, you really have something here. You should try and like keep going with it. And one of my professors hooked me up with an amazing executive producer out of New York she got the film into South by Southwest, and from there it sold to Netflix and Showtime. And Netflix, by the time the movie sold to them, just started streaming. And I can remember, talk about changing landscapes, I can remember uh, my classmates saying, you know, when I told them that we had sold it to Netflix, they were like, why would you do that? Why would you want somebody watching your movie on their computer, which is so funny to think about now because Netflix is all anybody wants to be on as as a filmmaker, whether you're documentary, narrative, you know, series, whatever. But back then it was like, why would you do that? And my attitude was, well, they wanted it. So like, and I never thought that anybody would want this. So that was an amazing opportunity. And like the Showtime thing was great. But to this day, I still get people that 
when the movie comes up in conversation, they say, oh, I saw that on Netflix. The discoverability of it was key. And I was able to parlay that into, you know, moving to New York. I worked in New York media for four or five years, probably, starting at Newsweek and then freelancing for places like GQ and The Times and New York Magazine and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and then we started Notice after that. So that's kind of been my journey. And we continue as a part of what Notice does, in addition to the marketing and communication stuff, we still do what we call our passion projects. We're passionate about all the work that we do, but the stuff that's not marketing, you know, documentaries, series, or uh, we're producing a narrative feature that a friend of ours wrote and is going to direct. Um, so we're, we're still in that game. We have a, you know, a foot on both sides of, of, the, of the fence there. We definitely should talk about at some point that inception time of Netflix and your experience with it, because my memory and attraction to Netflix at that time were documentaries. Mm-hmm. It was oh, totally. They had what you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. I knew you'd see these things popping up on festivals, but, but before that, you couldn't get them. No. And Netflix was like, bring them here. And everybody yeah. had it. You know, it was it was cheaper for them to get. There were so many reasons for them to do it other than they couldn't pitch on, you know, they couldn't swing on big narrative projects at that mm-hmm. time. They didn't have the money. So they had all these documentaries and you were like, yeah, I want to be there. I wanted that subscription to see these things that were like your film that were playing around with festivals and how they parlayed that into something to what it yeah. is now. You know, yeah. that's definitely something we should talk about at some point. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting and continues to evolve you know Mm -hmm. to this day obviously but yeah with documentary to go from nobody watched documentaries to i can remember four or five years ago we were going through uh tsa security at uh, laguardia and we had our pelican cases because we were going somewhere to shoot something and the lady at tsa was asking what's in the cases and we said cameras and uh, I think we we're actually going to shoot something for the doc series that we're currently working oh, yeah. on because we said, oh, we're shooting a documentary. And she goes, oh, I love documentaries. And I was like, that would not have happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that uh, a random woman at TSA was like, that's all I watch is documentaries. So it's they, interesting. They changed the landscape and they, they marketed themselves as that thing to bring eyeballs and subscriptions in mm-hmm. and then it morphed and it's changed into what it is now. But I think that's a good sort of overview of kind of who you and I are. Uh, certainly Sean, I'll, I'll talk about himself when he's on as a special guest at yeah. some point. And, uh, but the what, what, what is this? I think, you know, this obviously is our first episode kind of giving you an overview, but we'll have structurally, we'll kind of have these episodes with Ryan and I, but we'll have times where maybe it's just one of us and a guest uh, we'll have times where we come back together and recap in these, you know, sort of core episodes. And then we'll have quick hits where it might just be myself talking about something that I encountered in the world, something, you know, Ryan uh, with a quick hit of his own of something that he's encountered that's struck him in, in things that he's interested in, something he thought was successful or something that didn't work as well or or, or has changed and and came a cut across, you know, cut through all the noise and got to him in, in these little bit of moments is, you know, kind of gives us this sort of structure that you'll see as, as the episodes continue. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, as we've been thinking about this for the past, you know, month or two, um, if you've had anything come to mind that you're particularly interested, uh, you know, broadly in exploring within this sort of marketing 
landscape that we keep talking about. Yeah, I think for me, and, and this is something I see from our clients, I think one of the biggest hurdles as we, t- I was thinking about this the other day, like it, we're at six second, like six second pre-rolls, but there was a point where it was a seven second pre-roll, mm-hmm. right? When did it go from seven to six? Man, I could, we could do an entire episode about run times because I, I came up in the world of digital video when it was like, uh, videos need to be five minutes or less. You know, you can't have something longer than five minutes. This is when I was at Newsweek. And then, you know, by the time I got to like New York Magazine, they were like, we don't want anything longer than 90 seconds. And I was like, how do you do something in 90 seconds? And now we're doing things for clients that are six seconds. And it's like, it's mind boggling to figure it out. Yeah. At some point last year, things started having to go to sixes for pre-roll from sevens. Mm -hmm. And like that one second, that's a big deal when you're trying to work with an editor. Get this thing down. But when I think those a six or a seven or a 15 or a 30, even to a 90 videos and, and stories work best when they're about one thing. And this is a big theme in this for me, when things are about one thing, whether it's, you know, a a video, whether it's a full on commercial, whether it's a, a radio spot, whatever it may be. And often I see what happens stakeholders get involved and they want to cover multiple things in this 15 second video we got to make sure we hit these attributes for whatever this brand is and that's where things fail in my mind and so i'm really been thinking about that and seeing things that have come across my world that have been really successful and been one thing and i took it away and i knew what it was or where i got a barrage of like five different things in 30 second spot. And I was like, I, I have no idea what this product does. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. So that's a big, I think will be a big recurring theme for me. And probably the, the first quick hit that I do is going to kind of touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. What about for you? Anything? You I mean, I'm just interested. You kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of like metrics and that kind of thing, but the, the technology aspect of it, I mean, we look at it, from a production standpoint, just the tools that we're able to use from a technological perspective, where even in the 10 years that we've been in existence, we have access to pieces of equipment that have us shooting at a way higher level, but at a relatively low cost. But beyond that, I think just knowing how people are utilizing data analytics, um, you know, the ability to push out localized, highly targeted ads, whether it's on a podcast or in a social media feed or whatever, how that's changing. And then I was mentioning to you the other day, um, you know, the artificial intelligence aspect is like hugely interesting. And, um, you know, there's an article in the Times just this morning about chat GPT predicting the college basketball bracket. Now they picked Baylor to win, which I think is pretty foolish, but, um, you know, artificial, not so intelligent if you're not picking my Jayhawks to go all the way. But um, but I'm just interested in that and how uh, AI could be utilized. We see it in the obvious way of like copywriting. Um, and, you know, that's hugely interesting, but I, I'm sure that there are things that we haven't even thought of that AI could be doing. I saw an article, I can't remember if it was an ad week or variety or something like that. It was like chat GPT is going to be the end of writers on copywriting. Basically that they're going to take this data. They're going to take the analytics, put it into the machine, 
with their brand guidelines about whatever the product is and say and see what comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's a producer basically at a computer running that over and over again and then taking those things and piecing it together yeah. into their copy. Yeah. I I was thinking just the other day we had a client um a couple of years ago that was having us um do a high yield of um like 90 second explainer videos about different technologies and that kind of thing. And so I was having to churn out a lot of scripts um, over a very short period of time. And I wonder if I had had access to chat GPT at that time, if I would have done exactly that, like use that as a starting point, see what it, you know, give me 500 words on autonomous vehicles or something like that. And then take what it gives me and put my own, you know, spin on it and finesse it. I don't know. I, it's it's tempting. I think something that's going to be interesting to watch about that usage is because you're putting in parameters for the AI to work. Does everything that we're doing at that, everything, not that we're doing, but that the AI is creating, is it reactive? Is what they're doing because it's the parameters we've given them that we know like, oh, these things are working. Yeah. Does it become reactive versus you've got people sitting around and figuring something out that that is different, that is outside the box, that's a risk. It's mm-hmm. like going back. What's What was the, um, I'm thinking of the uh, 1984 Apple commercial. Oh, yeah. Where, right? Think different. Think different. Yeah. I mean, like that was so far. I mean, it's a historic commercial, right? right? But would would the AI have the parameters and the leash, you know, the, the leeway to think that far outside yeah. the box? Well, that's the question is it's artificial intelligence. It's not artificial creativity necessarily. Right. It's a, it's an, uh, an intelligence and a word predictive engine. This is my understanding of it. And this is what we'll hopefully explore more. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I don't, I wonder how creative it can be. And so I think that's why I'm interested in the technological aspect of this is like, you know, AI is one thing, but it's like, you know, how much of our skills will be replicable by technology in such a way that, you know, we become obsolete in the process. Um, you know, maybe that's just kind of like doomsday, scenarios but we grew up on terminator movies so we're always going to worry about the the ai that's right i I think there's going to be people that are going to be looking for successes and they're going to celebrate those successes and there's going to be people that are looking for failures and they're going to celebrate those failures because of whatever side of the fence that they're on you know we see we have an autonomous vehicle client and when we're doing research in that world that's exactly what we see. We see the people that wanted to succeed champion the successes and they kind of don't look at the things that aren't working so well. And the people that wanted to fail go right to the failures and they don't look at the things that are working so well. Yeah. But autonomous vehicles, chat, GPT, and AI, like those are forces that are going to continue to evolve. And there's mm-hmm. nothing that anybody's going to do about it. So let's get the best out of it that we can. Yeah. But to round out this sort of what this is, um, you know, I think you'll have these sort of core episodes with Ryan and I be around 30 minutes uh, when we have guests and, and interviews probably around that 30 minute time and we'll have our quick hits that are you know five or ten minutes or things like that so that's what you'll be hearing as as the episodes come out and then lastly why you know who what and why 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 are we doing this and what's the hope for it and I think that you know we've mentioned the word evolving and evolution 
a lot. And this is just sort of a way to continue to track that evolution of what's going on and and being able to react and have conversations to things that are happening in the industry, you know, as they, as they happen. And I think there's a, when I think about who would be somebody that I think could benefit from this, there's a, there's a spot where companies are at growth or they're, they're getting larger. Maybe they're not, you know, they're not Nike, right? But they have their internal marketing teams, but maybe they don't have an agency. Maybe they don't have a creative agency. They're doing their own creative. They're figuring out, you know, mid-sized companies, smaller companies that have an internal marketing team. They have the responsibility of all of their internal communications and all of their external communications. And what are the challenges that those people are facing without the benefits of an agency that's kind of just got carte blanche and has a ton of producers to be able to do that research. You know, what are the things that they're facing and what are the things that someone like us faces when we're getting briefs from an internal marketing team that wants to take some external messaging? And so I hope that some of this feedback and some of our experience is able to give a little bit of perspective in the tr- you know for the people that are in the trenches yeah well and it's it's a um you know pooling of knowledge you know it's the folks that are in the trenches are kind of in their trenches and so this is why you know we have professional conferences is so that people can come together and and share ideas and that's i think what we hope the podcast will be is a a place where people are freely and openly sharing what they've learned and what they've been able to garner over their however many years of experience. Um, you know, so the things that they learned at the beginning of their careers or the things that they're learning, you know, day to day as, as everything continues to change and uh, we have to continue to learn how to adapt. Yeah, and I think articulating problems helps find solutions. Right. It's it's anytime you collaborate, there's never collaborations that are just like, boom, completely smooth. Right. There's always points that are uh, need to evolve points of communication that need to get better. You know, problems, whether they're budgetary, whether they're time, whatever it might be, um, you know, being able to articulate those problems and, and what solutions that we we got to maybe are useful for people looking at it from the outside. Right. Yeah, totally agree. OK, that kind of wraps up this first episode why we're doing what we're doing and and who's doing it. And we're looking forward to continuing to learn from this and the feedback uh, that we see. So, you know, comment, rate, like it, do all those things that you're supposed to do in your feed. And all of those things help us get better and hopefully help you then learn from what we're doing. Yeah. And I think uh, we're definitely looking forward to hearing from our eventual audience. You know, I guess we're posting this one into the void, but, uh, but hopefully uh, this will be listened to uh, eventually and, and we'll start communicating and, and learning from all of you and answering any questions and bringing the topics that you want to hear about as well. Well, we know Sean will listen to it. Well, that's we true. we got Sean. Uh, maybe that's our it. wives. Yeah, that's right. So no, we're going to no have guarantees, no guarantee though. there. Yeah. We, we know to leave Sean because he's going on to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I like this idea of him just being sort that's of right. this like... He's out there. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we'll find out. Yeah. All right, guys, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Marketable is produced by Notice Pictures. We make podcasts, documentary, and narrative films and are the trusted marketing collaborators for a number of brands and organizations. Check out our work by visiting noticepictures.com. 
If you'd like to chat or have a topic you want us to explore, drop us a line at marketable at noticepictures.com. And of course, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. 